We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> you talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Here's to hoping that Will Fuller wasn't on your bench during a day of ridiculous performances. We're also talking the Aaron Jones eruption, the Chiefs lost to the Colts, and Gardner Minshew's mustache on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Hi, everyone. Welcome on into Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by sports.axios.com, my bookie and Harry's Razors. I'm Dave Cabin, senior fantasy analyst at Rotoviz. I'm joined by Matthew Friedman, the editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network. I received a couple of messages last week in support of Henry the Cat. Apparently, he is the most charismatic and talented individual that we routinely have on the show, Matt. Uh, and this week, I have gone to great lengths to ensure that he's unable to cause any technical issues. But let's get right to it. Uh, Will Fuller was on the bench for our FFPC main event team this weekend. <laughs> 16 targets, 14 wrecks, 217 receiving yards, and three touchdowns. Uh, I don't I don't know what to say, except uh, I'm not the one who manages the team, so I get what I pay for. <laughs> um, well, yeah. here's the thing, right? Julio Jones, Juju Smith-Schuster, DJ Moore, uh, Amari Cooper. I decided to go with Fuller on the bench, and that's just how it played out. Yeah, it it makes sense. It's yeah. painful, but it makes sense. And this is why um, like I basically refuse to play in leagues that aren't best ball, except for the, the main event, which sucks because that's the one that's the most expensive. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think people should be playing in best ball because it rewards the uh, the total team as opposed to your ability to to pick starters each week, which is very much a a random skill. It's a random exercise. Yeah, I I would agree with that. So I think that a larger implication here that people probably want to hear about is is what do you think that this signals for the team? We saw Hopkins have, in comparison, a relatively quiet day, which I still think was like eight targets, seven wrecks, around 90 yards almost. Uh, Deshaun Watson had a great game. 
Do you feel a little bit better about the Texans passing game now than you did when we talked about them last week? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you have to, but I mean, keep in mind that they have, uh, they had a really good matchup against the, the Falcons and they were basically still doing what they had been doing beforehand. Like they were attacking downfield. Um, they just had much more success with it. So, I, I mean, I think it's pretty much that they are what they have been. Um, but when they have a good matchup, they really have the ability to, uh, capitalize on it. Yeah, and that's something that we have seen time and time again. Um, and that Atlanta Falcons team is in a, kind of in shambles right now. Um, so it's a little bit harder to to draw major conclusions on the on the Texans as a result of that. Yeah, I mean, still uh, totally love Fuller. Uh, Hopkins is disappointed a little bit, but I think he's still you know like a top four uh, wide receiver. Yeah, still love the passing game there. Yeah. Um, a somewhat wild stat. Did you know that Cooper Cup is tied for second among all players that are not quarterbacks in expected points with 20.9, which ties him with Austin Eckler. Christian McCaffrey is 23.6. But I think this is notice- notable because Robert Woods is at just uh, 16. Brandon Cooks is, is at 11. Cooper Cup, 29% share. Woods at 21. Cooks at 15. There's a big divide in those numbers. Yeah, it's pretty surprising. Um, entering the season, I projected all of them pretty much for an even share of uh, targets per game. Like you knew it probably wasn't going to be even at the end of the season, but like it would be impossible beforehand to predict what it is. And you still anticipated that it might be close enough to even just to kind of split it three ways. But um, it's pretty incredible what what Cup is doing. Uh, and I, I likened it on Twitter to what uh, Austin Colley did uh in his I believe 2009 season his second season where he was like the wide receiver one or wide receiver two in PPR before he had a a season ending injury like cup is like he's the number one receiver pretty clearly uh and he's not the most dynamic of those guys but he's really like underrated after the catch um Mm. so yeah he's getting a lot of targets they're high quality targets because they're close to the line of scrimmage so uh, he has a good chance of converting them into receptions. Uh, but then he's also good at just turning receptions into yards after the catch. So it's kind of like a, a win-win for him. And and we haven't really even gotten into a situation of um, them being able to throw a lot of short touchdowns because like Cup has been turning uh, long receptions into touchdowns. But last year he was the guy that they would go to when they were close to the goal line. And so he still has that role, I, I think, locked in. So... Um, there's a lot of value with him. Yeah, he ranks now uh, 34th in yards after the catch per reception uh, with a total of 5.8 yards after the catch on each reception. Uh, He's second in team target percentage. He's also third in PPR points per game, first in expected points, as I said, Uh, first in targets, two in wrecks, fourth in receiving yards, five in total touchdowns. I mean, he's just absolutely killing it Brandon Cooks I feel like there have to be owners that have been disappointed with his performance so far given what we just talked about with Cup and the way that Robert Woods functions in that Rams offense I'm kind of thinking that what we're seeing from Cooks is probably going to continue yeah I mean I think he's going to have splash weeks like not not anything close to Will Fuller 
but um, kind of a version of that where, you know, he goes a few weeks at a time without having a big game. And then he has a, you know, a big game where it's like a hundred yards and two touchdowns. Um, I mean, I think he's still like a big play guy. It's just, it's going to be pretty volatile. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, Chris Godwin, another player that has just been absolutely killing it. Um, over the weekend, seven wrecks, nine targets, 125 yards, two touchdowns. He's the wide receiver one right now and ranks top 10 in just about every category. How impressed have you been with Godwin? And of course, we have to keep taking, we have to keep having this conversation over the weekend. Evans, just three targets, zero receptions. Of course, very tough matchup on the other side of the ball for him against Lattimore. Yeah, this is, this is the worst for me. Because, like, Fantasy Mansion, just he gets to gloat and gloat, and it's wonderful for him. But uh, <laughs> I, I hate it because, uh, one, obviously don't like being wrong, but, like, I don't want to be in a position of rooting against Chris Godwin because really like Chris Godwin uh, and what he's doing is pretty incredible. And because uh, he gets those cozy matchups in the slot and, like, they just continue, like, each week he's getting to go against the weakest cornerback on each team for the most part. Um, you know, there's kind of no end in sight. And because he has Mike Evans on the outside to help occupy safety attention, it's just perfect for him. Uh, it's not perfect for Mike Evans. Um, <laughs> he had a tough matchup last week against Lattimore, who, uh, you know, the first three weeks of the season really struggled. Uh, but in week four, did a really good job against Amari Cooper, the same last week. And then this week, Mike Evans is going against James Bradbury, um, who in their past three matchups uh, has done a really good job of shutting down Mike Evans. He's been responsible for Evans on like roughly 80% of Evans routes. So he's really been the main defender on him and uh, Evans in his three games against him last year, he had four receptions for 48 yards on six targets in one game. And then in another game, 10 targets only one of which was a reception for 16 yards. Uh, and then in week two, we've already seen them go against each other this year. Uh, four receptions for 61 yards on eight targets. Um, it's it's not looking all that great for Evans. Like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but in that matchup, I'm actually giving the slight edge to Bradbury, um, who's just playing it at like a different level right now. Like in week four, he also did a pretty good job of shutting down. I guess you can't say he shut down uh, DeAndre Hopkins because that's just like disrespectful to Hopkins, but Hopkins didn't have a good game. So like whatever it is, when Bradbury is shadowing, you know, one of these big bodied guys, he's actually having quite a bit of success. And it's, you know, I think in part because he has good size, um, he's 6'1", 212 pounds. So he's like big enough to jam these guys at the line of scrimmage. Uh, but he's athletic enough to stay with them. He has 4.5 speed. So uh, I think he's just the type of corner who matches up really well against those big guys. And so I think it's going to be um, another suboptimal week for Evans. And uh, obviously we haven't seen the props on the market yet, but I will probably be looking at the unders on his, uh, his reception prop and then also probably his yardage prop. Not a good scenario for Evans when you spell it out like that, um, which is why I'm going to be paying attention to that too. And also, everybody out there, if you've not seen uh, Friedman's track record this year, he is having quite the year. Um, I'm going to try to do the same because I like to place my bets at my bookie, and that is because they have the best bonuses and prop bets in the business. 
rewarding player perks. I know I'm going to get my money. Uh, and they're still matching that deposit up to $1,000 when you use the promo code ROTOVIZ. Can't harp on this enough. Where you bet is just as important as the teams that you bet on. That's why you need to head over to mybookie.ag and use the promo code ROTOVIZ. Terrific interface. So many different things to bet on. Add some fun to the season. Again, Rotoviz is the promo code to match your deposit. Head over to mybookie.ag. You bet, you win, they pay. Russell Wilson has been fantastic, Matt. Some really impressive things from what was one of the best Thursday night games I have seen in a long time. Tyler Lockett ranks ninth in points per game. The backfield has been Carson's, averaging almost 17 per game. Will Disley has had a big impact. We've seen Metcalf score a couple of touchdowns now. Are you surprised at how well this Seattle Seahawks team is functioning? Uh, yeah, it's, I think, surprising in a few ways. So it's not surprising that Wilson is being efficient. Um, I think at this point, that's just kind of who he is. It's not surprising that Lockett uh, is doing well with more opportunities. He's always been a highly efficient player, both in terms of scoring touchdowns and in creating yards out of his targets. Um, I think what is surprising is that Metcalf is uh, doing as well as he is this early into his career. There really hasn't been like a rookie, like slowdown or anything. Like he's pretty much like stepped in right away as a, uh, you know, like a deep threat who really can turn targets into touchdowns, which is what you want out of him. And then the big surprise is Will Disley, um, who's basically turned himself into like, Gronk Jr. or something like that. It's it's kind of unreal how a guy who is that unathletic can actually be a good yards after the catch guy, and he's just he's surprising. Um, so I think he's like a, actually a big source of like uh, an underappreciated source of production within that offense. So uh, it's I like holistically it's surprising like in degree. Um, but like with the particular players who are doing it, it's surprising that they are the ones who are making a difference for sure. Um, I have just been, uh, really impressed too, with when you watch the the games, how good Chris Carson looks in, in comparison to Rashad Penny. And as I've written about now a couple times on the site, I just don't see this changing. That was before last week. I think after last week, it is very clearly Carson's backfield. Penny is just going to be more of a, um, I don't even know if I'd say complimentary piece at this point, but kind of a, a player's spell Carson when he, you know, needs, needs a break. Um, moving along, Gardner Minshew's mustache, Matt, are you a fan? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's not uh, every guy who can pull it off, but I think he definitely does pull it off. And if you can pull it off, uh, you know, I say go for it. Have you ever considered or sported a mustache? Yeah, it kind of depends on um, how you want to qualify it. So okay. is, is it a mustache if it's just the mustache and no other facial hair? You know what I, I mean? Think, or like what I don't if know what that like, means because isn't isn't a mustache just that you have facial hair, facial hair just in the mustache area? Well, yeah, but okay. So if you say someone has a mustache, like you're saying they don't have a beard. You know, like Correct. you're saying they don't have a goatee. But what if it's like a mustache with a little bit of like like a soul patch underneath? 
You know what I mean? Or like, what? I'll if, count that. You know, I'll or, count or, that. Or like, what if there are like uh, big sort of like the like the pork chops? Um, you know, like for the sideburns, like. You know what I mean? So it, it kind of depends on how you, you qualify all of this uh, or categorize it. But I, I will say there was a period my first year in grad school where, ironically, uh, I had a I, I had a beard um, that semester and then I shaved it off and had a uh, like a handlebar <laughs> mustache <laughs> with a soul patch and uh, the pork chops. And it was uh, glorious and really embarrassing. Uh, for people who were around me. That's um, awesome. So, yeah. Okay. Um, my next question on that that I wanted to follow up with was what does wearing a uh, a mustache signal to other people? But but this handlebar soul patch look that you had, what do you think that you were sending to the outworld world when they were seeing you with this? Um, I, I have no idea. I think it was either like this guy is a loser or this guy is goofy. I mean, I think like I wore it ironically all the time. Like, right. I, you know, I would hope that people kind of knew I wasn't serious about it. Um, and it, it was gone, you know, pretty quickly. So uh, yeah. anyway, it was it was a it was a phase, you know. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to say that if you ever think about doing that again, you can you can whip out that Harry's razor and quickly shave it off. So if we try to separate out these players, do you think that they're both pretty talented? Or is it that Chark is a very talented receiver and Minshew's just kind of riding a hot start right now? Probably going to be the rookie of the year. Um, but two years, three years from now, are we still talking about Minshew? I'm pretty confident we're going to be talking about Chark. Yeah, it's harder to tell with Minshew, but um, the fact that he has been this productive uh, without, you know, being the guy in training camp and getting all the snaps, uh, it's pretty impressive. And, and he was really accurate in college at Washington State. Um, you know, so there's I think there's no reason to assume that he can't be accurate in the NFL because accuracy does translate. So I don't know. It's hard to say that he's for real, but um, I think he definitely has a shot to be a mid-tier starter for a decade you know yeah which would be a pretty impressive uh story just with you know another time that somebody is, happens to get that shot that they're not expecting and makes the most of it Arizona with the first win of the season over the weekend Kyler Murray 10 rushes 93 yards and a touchdown if you saw this game and you saw him moving he really is a very dynamic runner the play volume has been fairly low for the Cardinals but on a time to snap basis looking at the amount of time that takes place between each play that they run they have been very very fast paced uh no huddle 32 percent of plays next closest is chicago at 16 and i bring this up because i think some of the things that we expected heading into the season haven't really been able to play out the way that we would have liked but some of this is starting to hold they pick up their first win is there a chance that we start to see this team look more like what we were expecting, given some of these positives? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think on offense, it all might come together a little bit more. On defense, they're still going to be bad. So, I mean, I think it won't take much improvement for them to kind of approach what we were hoping out of them uh, in terms of maybe production. Like, stylistically, I don't think they're going to be really what we had hoped for, uh, you know, with... Murray either like throwing it deep or just pulling down and running it's 
you know, as Lord Reeves has said, it's more of the uh, horizontal raid instead of the air raid. But um, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's improving, and Murray is is the big change and all that. Like the more he improves, the better the entire offense gets. So I think there's still reason to be optimistic. Yeah, I I do too. I wish that they would get him running even more uh, because I think that that could be positive for this team. And then obviously as somebody that just wants to see the guy succeed from a fantasy perspective, that would be awesome. Another notable thing from that game, we saw Chase Edmonds uh, carry the ball eight times for 68 yards, had a pretty nice touchdown. Still can't say that I think Edmonds is going to be a guy that can be used every week, but I think that he's worth adding to your the back end of your roster still if there's a point where he becomes available. Yeah, I mean, Another, there's one yep. thing on that. Yeah, uh, David Johnson reportedly is having back issues. And right. like, these are issues that he hasn't had throughout his career, so it actually kind of might mean something. So Chase Edmonds should definitely be rostered in every league. Nice. Um, a player that people might be interested in adding right now is Auden Tate, who's averaged 13 expected points per game and scored 12 since he got into the lineup in week three. Now, largely due to a banged up wide receiving unit, um, do you think that we can expect this moving forward based just upon the fact that there's limited options? Tate was a guy came out of Florida State, looks really, really strong in Florida State. Pretty poor workout metrics, though, like laughably bad and some very, very <laughs> yeah. slow. Yeah. Um, so probably not the most athletic specimen. I don't think a average NFL receiver, but can he be a, a good ad for your team just based on need? Yeah, I mean, he's basically, I think, Devin Funchess-esque, but probably a little less athletic. Um, but yeah, he's playing in a system right now that has, you know, Tyler Boyd operating in the middle, but uh, no A.J. Green, no John Ross. Uh, Damian Willis is a guy basically just taking up space out there. So some of those targets have to go somewhere. They don't really have much of the tight end position. So uh, yeah, he's averaged what, like around seven and a half targets per game uh, while he's been starting. And uh, I think we should continue to see something in that range each week until uh, until AJ Green returns, which obviously is not going to happen this week. Probably still at least a couple of weeks away. And John Ross is on IR. Uh, he has a tougher matchup this week against Baltimore. But um, one thing that is kind of interesting is that uh, for the first time in his career. Marlon Humphrey was used uh, to shadow into the slot like they had never moved him into the slot before. But last week he did follow Juju into the slot. Um, and I think they might use him again in that way this week against Tyler Boyd, because I mean, that's essentially what Boyd is. He's a like a slot based receiver yeah. who sometimes moves outside. So if Humphrey is blanketing Boyd, I think that could create the opportunity for more targets to Tate. So he is interesting this week, but he he has tough matchups like Baltimore, Jacksonville, the Rams. Like those those are tough cornerback matchups. So I think he should be rostered. He's probably startable, but like you have to adjust expectations down for him. For sure. I think if you're at the point though where um you're in the realm of adding on in Tate and like needing somebody to go at this point in the season. Actually, he's not the worst ad that you could find. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, he's kept things in motion for the Saints through four touchdown passes Sunday, propelled Michael Thomas to an 11 reception, 182 target, two touchdown performance. I actually have to say, I was really uh, impressed with this performance for Bridgewater. 
Uh, if you had looked at the stats before this game, you would have seen that Alvin Kamara had been seemingly doing just fine in the absence of Breeze. Thomas had looked like he had been suffering a little bit. This might change things. Let's say that the timeline on Breeze is not as aggressive as the Saints hope. Are you now feeling better about the players in this offense? Uh, a little bit, but not really. Um, I think it was a good matchup going against Tampa Bay. Um, but Jacksonville and Chicago are two tougher matchups. Uh, Arizona in week eight is a really great matchup, but it will be less great because Patrick Peterson will be back. Um, so I, I mean, I think you pretty much treat the players in that offense the way you, you have been treating them, maybe adjust it up a little bit, but, um, I don't think it changes much. Like Michael Thomas is still going to be getting a lot of targets, that's the key for him. As long as he's still getting his targets, the efficiency doesn't really matter all that much. Yeah, I agree. I own Jared Cook on a couple of teams. I'm not really feeling good about him at all. Um, and outside of Thomas and Kamara, I really don't see myself rolling with with any of these players. Um, and I'm not even sure if that changes when Drew Brees gets back. Yeah, I think that's right. Following a team you love in 2019 can be time-consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. That's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox when you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up and it's free. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins, and best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free, curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up at sports.axios.com. Again, try for free 99 at sports.axios.com. As we talked about earlier, that facial hair, getting it shaved nicely is important. If you're rocking that handlebar and you need to get it off, definitely Check out Harry's razors. Humans have been shaving for thousands of years, and the secret to a great shave, it hasn't really changed that much. The ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters, a sharp, durable blade at a fair price. Shave off that handlebar. I love Harry's because it gives me a close shave, easy glide, Low price, do us a favor and check out harrys.com forward slash blue wire for your free trial today. It's really convenient. Uh, you get that quality, durable blade at a fair price, just $2 per blade. Refills are delivered directly to your door on your schedule with or without a subscription, which is really nice. Uh, and there's no risk to you for trying them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know. They'll give you a full refund. Listeners of our show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com forward slash blue wire. You get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip. 
five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com forward slash blue wire to start shaving better today. Golden Tate returned to the Giants lineup. First game back after his suspension, six targets, three wrecks, 13 yards. Any sense that his presence mixes things up uh, in the Giants offense, Matt, or, you know, things really going to stay the way they were prior to his return? I think the big thing is that he's playing in the slot, so that forces Sterling Shepard outside, where he's just not as good of a receiver. Um, So, yeah, I think it significantly changes things, even if Tate uh, doesn't see a big uptick in production. I think it kind of hurts everyone else. Yeah, it's definitely going to shift things around in a way that you might not see if you're just looking at the stat line. Uh, Also important that we should talk about, even though the team is saying that Saquon Barkley, the ridiculous human specimen that he is, could be back soon, maybe even as early as next week. But Wayne Gallman goes out with an injury. Um, I actually don't know what the timetable on his return looks like. Sorry, I was <laughs> reading something on Twitter. Uh, sorry, you're talking about Gallman, right? Yeah, I was talking about Gallman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was saying that I actually don't know what to expect with the, with the timetable of his return. Yeah. And then, you know, the natural question is, what happens now if he and Barkley are both out? Well, I think Barkley's coming back. Uh, he like, is actually going to be back, yeah. Yeah, I think there's an expectation that Barkley is coming back. So uh, it really doesn't change much. Uh, John Hilleman, a, a rookie, is going to slot in as the backup as long as uh, Gallman is out. I don't think he's going to see all that much action. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's like I think it's pretty much Barkley as long as he's healthy. And I'm assuming that they're not going to put him out there unless he actually is healthy. So, yeah, I think Barkley all the way. Uh, The Vikings game yesterday, listen, this still doesn't really sell me on anything as it relates to the team's passing attack. I know Adam Thielen, a lot of yardage, two touchdowns. Still, though, they only threw 27 passes. It was against a poor opponent. Dalvin Cook still had more receptions on the day than Diggs. Kyle Rudolph, one measly reception. Are you with me, Matt, that this really doesn't change very much? Yeah, um, it was like a a get right spot against a really bad defense where um, they just wanted to I just like pacify all of the concerns that other other people within that offense were having. So you know, Thielen's probably not going to be too pissy for a while because he got his. Um, you know, not a great situation for Diggs. Um, yeah, just not a great situation for the passing offense uh, as a whole. And they're not going to have matchups that cozy for a while. So, uh, yeah, I think it's just going to be a run-first offense, and we should expect to see something pretty close to what we saw, I'd say, like the first four weeks of the season moving forward. The Chicago Bears are averaging just 17 points per game, which is 29th in the league. Allen Robinson, two touchdowns over the weekend. Uh, The poor guy. I would like to see him get matched up with a solid quarterback once in his career. Uh, We talked about this before, but outside of Robinson, anybody that you're interested at this point, you still like Montgomery. How are you feeling about his career? And uh, Tariq Cohen, I guess you could say that he's actually been fairly usable the last couple of weeks. Not really sure what my question is there, Matt. Just talk to me about the Bears. 
Yeah, not really interested in anyone in this offense for the most part. Uh, I mean, Montgomery is still, you know, intriguing long term. If you have him, you obviously have to keep him. Uh, I think you have to start him, but um, unless you have just great depth at the position. But um, I mean, that whole offense as a whole is just kind of a drag. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so heading into the season, there were concerns about Zach Ertz. However, he ranks second in expected points, seventh in actual points, second in targets, second in air yards. I think we're going to see him finish well beyond um, tight end seven at the end of the season. George Kittle, I don't know what's going on with him in the Monday night game, but he has not lived up to the expectations yet. And Travis Kelsey, I don't think, has lived up to what I was expecting him to do. Um Moving into next season, are you doubtful that we're going to be viewing tight end as a position that just has this big three? Yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah, we're recording this on Monday night uh, near the top of the second quarter. Kittle has just two targets, one reception, 10 yards. Um, I think it will continue to be it being tight end. I think it you will continue to have uh, a group of like top tier guys. But I think the tier underneath them will will probably be closer. So, for instance, this year, like there was kind of this mini tier of OJ Howard before you got to all of the other tight ends. Um, and then I think next year we're going to see a tighter second tier. Like Mark Andrews is going to be in that tier. Uh, it's possible that Darren Waller could be in that tier. Um, so that you still have like a a clear distinction between the guys at the top uh, and everyone who follows, but um, it's not as pressing to get one of those big three because there is more promise with the guys who immediately follow them. That's an interesting take, and I think it's one that makes sense. Uh, So we'll have to see how that bears out. Lamar Jackson did have 70 rushing yards yesterday, but threw three interceptions to one touchdown over the last three games, averaging 21 points. Obviously, that's not terrible, but not as explosive <laughs> as we saw to begin. Way to, way to try Jackson to cast to that down? in a negative way. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he's not a good passer. Like, I'll just, I mean, he's he's better than he was last year. Um, but he, I'd say, like, at best, he's probably still, like, league average. Um, if he has a defense that is horrible, uh, he has the receiving options who are explosive enough to turn his targets into long touchdowns, uh, and he obviously benefits from that. Um, but he's good enough as a receiver to, sorry, good enough as a a, uh, a passer to make up for um, any like deficiencies that he would have, um, given that he's also outstanding as a runner. So like it, with him, it's it's the total package, you know. So you can live with him being average as a passer because he gets you points in so many ways and he's still good enough and he has like enough weapons to exploit soft passing matchups. Okay. Um, a player that I was enthusiastic about going into this season, uh, Juju Smith Schuster, seven for seven yesterday, 75 yards and a touchdown. Nice to see that. But like Diggs, I'm, I'm not all of a sudden going to radically change my standpoint that I had after the first four weeks. We haven't talked about Deontay Johnson yet. 10 points per game. He's had a 15 and 20 point performance so far. Not bad for a rookie. Some of this coming without that quarterback, that experienced quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger. Have you been impressed so far with Johnson? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, he was a talented guy at Toledo. Um, you know, punt returner, kick returner was able to, you know, produce some as a runner. So kind of like the all around skill set that, uh, like Antonio Brown had when he was in college. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to compare Deontay Johnson too closely to Antonio Brown because Brown was just, you know, like an outlier among outliers. But uh, Johnson definitely has some potential. Um, and as for Juju, um, you know, obviously not great. You have to continue to adjust him down. And you have to adjust down that whole offense, especially this week, because Devlin Hodges, the third round, sorry, not third round, the third string quarterback, uh, it seems is going to be starting this week on the road in LA. Um, horrible situation for that offense. Yeah, that is. Also, I am pretty sure that I've only encountered that name like one time in my life, which with the amount of time that I'm reading about and looking at football stuff is not a good situation for the yeah. Steelers team. He's got two last names, so you have to love that. <laughs> There's that, yes. Uh, Jay Gruden is done as the head coach in Washington. Anything about the team that you think we need to consider now? Uh, not really. I mean, um, I'm assuming that Dwayne Haskins, uh, pretty soon is going to be the starter. Um, I think we're projecting him to be the the starter for week six, although I need to kind of check up the news, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's the, the same as it pretty much has been. The offense is in shambles, uh, uh, but they do have a good matchup this week. Uh, I mean, amazingly they are favored, uh, you know, they can really be favored against only one team, and that's the team that they're playing this week. So <laughs> maybe they actually get a win uh, against the Dolphins. Um, but the Dolphins are coming off a bye. You know, they were starting to look a little bit better, um, you know, in the weeks entering the bye. I don't know. It's just a, a total shitstorm for them. Right. Uh, the Patriots play Thursday night. Philip Dorsett probably won't play. Maybe this is the game where uh, Josh Gordon has a day. I think that James White probably benefits as well on the short week. So I'd feel hopeful for those two guys. Um, I don't know if we really need to say much more else about the Patriots other than they decided not to bring back Ben Watson. I still don't think this makes either of the tight ends there more attractive of options if anybody's thinking that, in that being Izzo and Lacoste. Yeah, totally agree. Okay, um, moving along. Philip Lindsay continues to get it done. Royce Freeman and Lindsay combined, they are controlling fifty-seven percent of Denver's offense. Uh, Cortland Sutton, wide receiver, fifteen in PPR on a points per game basis. So some of what we were worried about wouldn't continue early on in the season is holding. I guess the thing that I am interested in coming back to is. Assuming that Philip Lindsay is healthy, is my hope of Royce Freeman being a league winner at this point out of the window? Yeah, I think so. As long as Lindsay is healthy, he's, I mean, I think locked into at least 10 touches per game. And that's enough to prevent Freeman from getting his, his necessary opportunities. Yeah, I agree with that. It's really amazing if you just go into the Stat Explorer and you pull up... Uh, Lindsay's career at this point just he's been consistently so strong such a dynamic player and like you said all it's going to take is Lindsay to have a pretty low threshold 
of opportunity that's going to prevent Freeman from becoming this league-winning player because uh, we have not seen him get used in situations at this point that lend themselves to him being extremely efficient, which obviously on a lower volume he would need to see. Uh, Melvin Gordon, just 12 carries. Austin Eckler, though, only three, but absolutely ridiculous game. 15 receptions, 86 yards. Gordon had four receptions for seven yards. He had 31 yards on those 12 carries. Of course, Eckler on the three wasn't much more efficient. How did you feel about these performances? It was really uh, a weird performance from Austin Eckler and uh, that I would have expected him to have more carries and obviously far fewer receptions. Um, I had the under on both of Eckler's uh, oh boy. Re- receiving props. Um, and the funny thing is, like, so he totally demolished the line of four and a half receptions. Um, but at one point he had like 10 receptions for like 41 yards or something like that. And the the receiving yardage line was 53 and a half. And I thought there was actually might there was maybe a chance that despite having 10 receptions, he would stay under. Um, but that that didn't happen. But it, it was really weird in that like he wasn't really um, dynamic with the 15 receptions he had. I mean, they were basically just handoffs um, and then didn't do much as a runner at all. Um, but Melvin Gordon, I think, also didn't do enough to make you think that they're going to go away from Eckler more than they already have. Like, I think Eckler will, act, will actually probably see more carries next game. I would agree with that. Um, I mean, the 15 receptions, it's kind of like you alluded to. I mean, this was an odd split in how they were being used. But it's going to be hard to ignore what he had done up into the point where Gordon returned, the success that he did have in this game as a receiver. I think that it only makes sense for them to keep him involved. He's just been so strong. Um, perhaps this is an odd game and you can't read too much into it. But as an Austin Eckler owner, I feel better that he was so successful despite only the three carries, which, like you said, I think we will see an uptick in that. I mean, come, here's, here's the yep. yeah, sorry. Sorry to interrupt. You go ahead. That's and, fine. And, yeah. OK, so I mean, here's the thing that's kind of interesting is that like it's not it, I mean, obviously it was not a great performance and he was splitting uh, opportunities with Melvin Gordon. But, you know, like if you just look in a PPR league, you know, the 15 points from the receptions, the 86 yards just from the receiving workload, and then you add in whatever he gets from like the rushing production, like that's another really good game from Austin Eckler. Like it's it's not inconceivable that he continues to have like high-end running back to uh, maybe something like James White plus type of production uh, even though Melvin Gordon is back. That is certainly possible. Uh, um, I, I like that. The What'd you say, James White? Uh, James White Plus. James White Plus, I like that. All right, Aaron Jones, what an absolutely ridiculous performance. Uh, 19 attempts, 107 yards, four rushing touchdowns, seven receptions for 75 yards, controlled 45% of Green Bay's opportunity, went for 20 fantasy points over expectation. Obviously, we're not expecting anything like that moving forward. However, Aaron Jones, does this signal that he really is just a tremendous player. How much of this do you think was just that game against the Cowboys? Well, uh, it obviously helped in that he was getting uh, the ball at the goal line. That's not anything that he can control all that much. So he had the outsized opportunity to get all those touchdowns. 
Um, but even even so, like on a per touch basis, he was super efficient with the ball. And even before this game, uh, in his six, and, and I should just say, this was the first game in his career. Even though he's been playing for like three seasons or whatever, this is his third season, right? Even though he's into yep. his third season uh, with Jamal Williams, he's never had a game without Jamal Williams. So he's always had this like like albatross there. Uh, just bringing him down. So his first career game without Jamal Williams uh, obviously breaks this late. And in his six games with a snap share of at least 70%, and this is entering the game, uh, in his six games before this with the snap share of at least 70%, he had averaged 24.6 DraftKings points per game. So like he has smashed when he's been the clear lead back. It's um, it's obviously not anything you can project for him to have the yardage and touchdown game that he had. But you could reasonably project that he was going to have a pretty good game. So as long as he is the guy out there, um, I think you have to expect him to be, like at worst, a, a low-end running back one. Um, the real question is just whether uh, when Jamal Williams gets back, they are going to continue to use Aaron Jones as a true lead back. Yeah, that's definitely the question. You have to assume that a performance like this, even if it doesn't have all to do with Jones, will sit in that coaching staff head and they'll be thinking about it. But <laughs> I mean, you have to, you kind of have to assume that, but at the same time, I don't know if you really can with Matt LaFleur. You can't. No, you can't. And, and I mean, even outside of Matt LaFleur, we've seen other coaches, for whatever reason, just not want to hand things over to Jones and keep Williams there. So, you know, I, it, We'll just have to hope. Um, well, I guess those of us that uh, didn't have this become the season that you know more Williams than you do Jones. And I guess anyway. I, should, I should say also um, this was the uh, like the hometown narrative for Aaron Jones. Oh, was, right. Was in play. So, you know, automatic smash. Yes. Uh, Trey Carson, four receptions, only 18 yards. We hadn't seen him play prior to week five. Any thoughts on him? No. <laughs> Okay. No. <laughs> All right. Dak Prescott scoring 8.3 points over expectation. Uh, the Cowboys played a tremendously soft schedule to open the season. We've seen them maybe take a, you know, a slower pace since then. Are the team's results skewed by this? And do you think that some of the things that we would have been reading into based upon those softer opponents to open the schedule, um, should we be backing those off? Still, though, very strong points yesterday for uh, Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper. Yeah, so it's it felt like a very Cowboys game under Jason Garrett in that um, they were at home, they were favored. I think they were actually the better team, but they lost. Um, I mean, Dak he he looked like the you know the quote unquote better quarterback when he wasn't uh, making his four mistakes. You know what I mean? It's just that like those are the mistakes that keep you from winning games. Um, but, you know, I'm still like moderately encouraged by this offense, especially with Gallup back. Um, I think he's just, he's a real difference maker in that offense and that I think he was underrated entering the league anyway. Like, I don't think he's just like a quote unquote number two receiver. Like, I think he's, He's more, I'm trying to think of the right way of putting this, he's more Chris Godwin than he is Marquez Valdez-Scantling. 
You know what I mean? Like, I think yep. he's actually pretty close to being a number one receiver. Uh, and with him out there, it just amplifies what they can do on offense because the opposing team can't just concentrate on Amari Cooper. So I'm still interested in this offense, but uh, like from a team perspective, you just have to know that they're going to make mistakes each game um, that really diminish their chances to win. That doesn't make much of a fantasy difference, but it definitely makes a sports betting difference. Got it. Um, that makes sense when you spell it out like that. In relation to Gallup, I do think that I started to realize, um, especially at the beginning of this season, that my initial assessment of him coming into the league, I was not giving him enough credit. Um, and from like a dynasty perspective, I'd be really excited if I owned him. So hopefully uh, we can see him return, get back to playing well. Um, a couple of thoughts here based upon the Monday night game. I saw that Matt Breida had an 83-yard um, rushing touchdown. Um, I don't know much more beyond that, but I've just been really impressed with Matt Breida. Um, I know that we don't have the results of this game, but I still want to get your opinion on if we just look at that backfield, is Matt Breida the best back? Yeah, probably he, he, at this point, so only, uh, about four minutes left in the second quarter, uh, Breida has one carry for 83 yards and a touchdown. And then he's had two targets, uh, which he turned into two receptions for eight yards and another touchdown. Um, oh, Tevin, wow. Tevin Coleman has five carries, uh, no targets, uh, 27 scoreless yards. Uh, I mean, Coleman is fine, but I think Brita is clearly more dynamic at this stage in their careers. Um, yeah, I would much rather have Brita. I mean, the thing that kind of kills that offense as a whole is that they are just so run heavy. Um, and then they, uh, they really split all of that, that running workload across like three guys like Brita Coleman, uh, Raheem Mostert, uh, or Mostert, whatever it is. Uh, and then like Jeffrey Wilson as a number four back whenever he's actually active. Uh, and then of course, like they always have to get Kyle use check, uh, a couple of targets per game. And then they split all of the receiving workload uh, at wide receiver across like five guys. It's just like it's an impossible situation to invest in, even though uh, I think the offense as a whole is pretty intriguing. For sure. Um, breaking news we have on the show here. Uh, the Bills ship wide receiver Zay Jones to the Raiders for a pick. Uh, I don't about know if time. I have a whole lot of thoughts on this. Um, so I, so yeah, one thing is I saw on Twitter that, um, fantasy mansion was, uh, talking about Robert Foster. I don't think this is the move for Robert Foster. I think this is the move for Duke Williams, who was, uh, elevated from the practice squad this last week and, you know, played a lot of the snaps, uh, was the starter, uh, had four targets and turned all of them into uh into receptions scored a touchdown um i mean i think like in dynasty like you want duke williams on your team um so uh yeah you're gonna have to you're gonna have to get him the one good thing is that uh the bills are on by this week so people might kind of overlook him a little bit um Mm. but uh he's i think he's the guy who clearly benefits from zay jones being gone 
that's a solid way to end the show. So we will go out on that note. Again, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Do that. Unsubscribe, subscribe, follow us on Twitter at DaveKabenFF and at MattFTheOracle. Be sure to check out Rotoviz. We've just been adding so many tools. There's um, a weekly stats tool up that's new and awesome, a pace tool. So many things I have trouble keeping track of it, uh, to be honest. So definitely, if you haven't done so yet, go make use of that podcast listener only discount rotoviz.com forward slash podcast and that will do it for today's show you can always send us an email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and until next time remember it's not a fantasy you believe